Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. Welcome to you. God bless each one of you for being here. I hope you have your Bibles today. If you have your Bible, let's make the devil mad. Let's lift our Bibles up real high. Oh, look at all those Bibles. Shake them at him. Shake them at the devil. He, he didn't have the victory. Jesus has the victory. Amen. God bless you so very much. We're delighted you're here. Let me encourage you to find Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. We're going to be looking at a passage of scripture today about a lady by the name of Lydia. While you're finding Acts chapter 16, I wanted to share a story with you I heard about an 80-year-old lady, a widow lady. She'd been widowed three times, and she was engaged to be married. The uh, local news station had heard that she was 80 years of age to be married, and they sent a reporter out to do an interview with her. And the reporter went out and uh, began to question the lady, and he got off on the subject of marriage and previous husbands that she had lost. And... Uh, he asked her, he said, ma'am, so tell me, uh, what did your husbands before do? She says, well, I was married the first time, and the first time I married, I married a banker. He was a very wealthy man, was a, a very good providing man, and I praise God for him. He was wonderful. And then he died, and I married a circus ringleader. He was a fun guy. We traveled and had the biggest time. It was so much fun being married to that circus ringleader but he died and then he then she said then the third guy I married was a pastor he loved the Lord so much and he took such good care of me went to church every week the Lord blessed our relationship in marriage and then he passed away and then here I am on husband number four and he happens to be a funeral director it's just a wonderful life that I have lived and the reporter just kind of was shocked and the reporter said ma'am said this is quite the diversity. I mean, you, you went from a banker to a circus ringleader to a minister to someone that owns a funeral home. She said, yeah, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> All right. We're going to get going on this. <laughs> We're going to get going on this sermon here. I had to get that out. Well, if you found your Bi in your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at verse number 15, another lady, a lady by the name of Lydia. Now, if you will recall, uh, remember, Paul has got his mission team, and his mission team is going on their second missionary journey. And his mission team consists of individuals that not are, or did not make up a part of the first mission team. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, therefore, loosing from Troas, we. If you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, let me encourage you to underline that word, we. Why? Because that word, we, is signifying that who is on this team, who is on this second missionary journey team. Uh, we know from the context of this passage of Scripture that Paul is a part of this team. We also know Paul chose Silas in replacement of Barnabas to go on this team. So it's Paul... Silas and then the we aspect also includes the writer of the book of Acts which is Luke so Luke is a part of this team and also Timothy 
So there are four individuals that are part of this mission team, and they are headed to Macedonia. And the reason why they're heading to Macedonia is because the Lord prevented them from sharing the gospel in Asia. God wanted the gospel to come to Europe, and so we find that he prevented them from preaching in Asia as they did on that first missionary journey, and they went around, if you would, to Europe, and they're going to Macedonia, and Paul gets this vision from God, and there's a man over there saying, come over here and help us. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come over and help us. Could I just say something to you, church? Please be mindful of this. In 2021... What our culture needs, what our nation needs, is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a gospel issue that we're suffering from today. We can have all the right moral laws, we can have all the right politicians, but if we don't have Jesus, we miss everything about this life. And so we find here that Paul is taking his mission team to Europe, to Macedonia, so that he can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what the Bible goes on to say. The Bible says we came with a straight course to Samantria and also the next day to Neapolis. Now I would underline that word straight course because what we're going to find throughout the course of Acts is when they get back on a ship and they travel it's going to take them five days to get back. It only took them one day to get there but five days to get back. Why is that? It is here in this passage of scripture the term straight course means that the winds were in their favor. So while they were moving in the ship, the winds were blowing behind them, and they made good time. Good time as they made their way to Neapolis. Verse 12, notice what the Bible says. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, I would underline that word Philippi. Because the word Philippi is giving us access into what's going on in this part of the world. Philippi, at this particular moment in time, is a very interesting uh, place because it is ruled by retired Roman generals. Retired Roman generals would come over, if you would, to this particular area, and they would be there, and they would live there, and they would keep the peace there. I'll say more about that here in just a few moments, but that's what we see here in the text. Verse 13. The Bible says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spoken to the women which, res which restored thither, or which were staying there by the river praying. Now, here's several things that are worthy of our attention before I go any further with the outline. It is very important in verse number 13 we clearly understand that Paul, as his custom, when he would go into a city or a town, he would always go to the synagogue first. As a matter of fact, Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, would always say, as custom, as his custom. This is what he did. Every time Paul rolled into a city, he would find the local synagogue, go in there, preach to the Jews first, and then those God worshipers, those apostolites, if you would, would come to know Christ as Savior, and then he would go out into the Gentiles' community. But remember, this is a different location. This is Philippi. This is a Roman providence. This is where Rome has set up shop. If you're in Philippi, it's just like you're in Italy. It's just like you're in Rome. And so we find here in this particular section, there is no synagogue here. There's no synagogue in Philippi. 
As a matter of fact, if you were going to have a synagogue, just for point of reference, you had to have 10 men in order to have a synagogue. They couldn't find 10 men to have a synagogue. So there was no synagogue in this town. So as custom, by Paul, in him knowing uh, culture and knowing the Lord and knowing that there are pockets and remnants of God fears all over the world, he does the one thing that we all should be doing in our lives. He goes looking for a prayer meeting. He went looking for a prayer meeting. Do you see where he found that prayer meeting? He found the prayer meeting by the river. Let us go down to the river to pray. There they are. They're praying by the river. And so we see here in verse number 13 that there was these, this prayer meeting by the river, and there are these women that are all there. They're all women. They're all women that are there in this Roman providence of Philippi praying. No men whatsoever. Now, this is interesting because if you were to take uh, uh, some time this week and research the term liberation movements, liberation movements, you would find that in the United States of America, there are some 135-plus liberation movements that are in existence in our culture today. Now, a liberation movement, its goal is to free people from oppression, and inequality and uh, elevate them up to a higher status. Only then, many argue, can people be fulfilled in their life. There are many social liberation movements in the news today. In fact, if you got up this morning, looked at the newspaper, read the news online, you notice that it, there is a plethora of information about these liberation movements, like uh, critical race theory, like the... Uh, uh, LGBTQ plus that is a liberation movement uh, also you'd find black lives matters another liberation movement one that we're probably most familiar with is the women uh, liberation movement the women libbers uh, that is a movement here's something I found fascinating even in our own Southern Baptist Convention there's much debate on liberation movements there's a tremendous argument going on right now among Southern Baptists uh, concerning biblical complementarianism. Now, I know that's a large word, and you might be scratching your head going, what in the world is complementarianism? Complementarianism, just in general, very simply in a nutshell, is just simply this. God made two genders, male and female. Can we get behind that and say amen right there? <sighs> then, of those two genders, he made them equal as human beings. Can I get an amen right there? But in function, he gave them different roles. So we're finding here that according to the Word of God, now listen, this doesn't work if you don't believe this is true. But if you believe this is true, then there is biblical complementarianism in the Bible that says in relationship to family and in relationship to church, God has given men and women different roles. And it is through these roles that God has given us that make us unique and to help us fulfill one another and move towards the glory of God. We oftentimes forget what the whole purpose of marriage is. The whole purpose of marriage is to reflect the image of God. But we've messed that all up today. Uh, bless God, you won't marry a tree, you can marry a tree. Beats all I ever seen. It's the craziest thing. 
But we find here in Scripture there is biblical complementarianism. And listen, here's what, what, what I need us to pray about. We're debating this in our Southern Baptist Convention. We have taken the main thing and we've taken our eyes off the main thing. We've got to get back to the main thing. And the main thing is not complementarianism. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? So, y'all do me a favor. If you're going to clap, clap hard. That really helps me out. <laughs> then there's another challenge we're having in our society today at Southern Baptist. And it's called intersectionality. Intersectionality. Now, what is this? What is intersectionality? Intersectionality is the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender. And they say they overlap, and in that overlapping of this intersectionality that they're talking about, we see that they're creating this overlapping independent system of, if you would, discrimination and disadvantage. So what I want to say about this is just simply this. In regards to this intersectionality that we have in our culture today and now that's infiltrated the church, I want you to know my position on this. My position is clear. I just believe what the Bible believes. Let God be true and everyone else a liar. Was there discrimination and, and disassociation and also in reflection when you think about it, disadvantage in Scripture? Yes, yes, there was. However, the Bible speaks about liberation, but we've missed the mark of the liberating power of the Bible. You see, the Bible teaches that social liberation without spiritual liberation always results in moral degradation. Every time. Look at what the Scripture says. Sodom and Gomorrah. You try to liberate everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens? Degradation of the culture and society. They forget who God is, and they have this tremendous amount of, of pain and suffering and difficulty such that God judges them because they don't even recognize it. You look at Rome. The fall of Rome. What happened to Rome? The liberation, if you would, that happened without spiritual liberation resulted in moral degradation and they died. And then you look at, if you would, even Philippi here who was an, an outpost, if you will, of this issue of uh, uh, Rome and we find they too had extreme challenges in the nature of this liberation without being spiritually liberated. But in the midst of this culture, we find God moving in such a way that a socially liberated woman by the name of Lydia is looking at her life and seeing her life is missing something. And so she seeks to find the missing part of her liberated life by going to church, by going to a prayer meeting. By going to the synagogues when they have these synagogues. And here she finds herself there listening to the apostle Paul as he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we truly want to see liberation in our culture today, then we first and foremost must recognize God as the number one liberator. And we see this in Lydia's life. In fact, let me show you, if I could, what a true liberated woman looks like. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice in verse number 14 
is well, I want you to notice how Lydia worked hard. Lydia worked hard. Did you see what happened in verse number 14? The Bible tells us in verse 14 concerning Lydia that she was a certain woman. Her name was Lydia. She was a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, and she worshipped God. She heard us whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now, when you read verse number 14, there are three things that kind of jump out, of it, out, of, out at us regarding how she worked and how hard she worked. Let me show them to you if it could. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is I want you to see her title. Her title. What does Lydia mean? We've got a couple of Lydias here in our church, and we find that Lydia had a specific name. Lydia of Thyatira, first and foremost, was the very first convert in Europe. We find in Scripture the very first recorded convert in Europe. Her name was Lydia. It's a Greek name, and it means noble. It means of a noble sort. It also means a dark-haired maiden. So we know that she had black hair. She had dark hair, if you would. It also means beautiful maiden. The old English uh, definition is someone that is beautiful and is beloved by many, and it also means light. When you look at Strong's Concordance, it classifies and defines it as travail. So there's an aspect of diligence and hardness, if you would, in the arena of work concerning her name. She was living up to who she really was. She was Lydia, a dark-haired maiden that went through many trials, but she was beautiful and beloved by everyone that came in contact with her. But number two, let me show you a second thing. The second thing I want you to see is her trade. Her trade. Look at verse number 14 again. The Bible says she was a seller of purple. A seller of purple. What does that mean? It means that Lydia was a businesswoman. Now, she just wasn't a Mary Kay businesswoman. She was an absolute owning Mary Kay businesswoman. She loved to do what she was doing. She was a very wealthy businesswoman. This phrase points to the expensive cloth that was dyed with a purple juice of a shellfish that you could only buy in the region by which she came from. And this purple cloth was also claimed to be worth its weight in silver as it was worn by kings and also worn by emperors and high-ranking officials. There was a tremendous demand for this purple dye right here in Philippi because Philippi, again, was a Roman colony. And you had all these retired Roman generals living there, and they loved to go to town wearing their purple sashes. And so they desired and really wanted to buy this purple dye. And so in doing so, she had a beautiful, a beautiful job and a beautiful ministry and a beautiful, if you would, work ethic where she would go up and down the Aegean Way as she would cross from Macedonia, east and west, that whole span, and she would sell this perfect cloth or this purple cloth. It is absolutely amazing to me that her trade was one of a successful businesswoman, even in the days when women weren't allowed to have businesses. This woman was liberated. Number three, let me tell you a third thing about it. The third thing I want you to see is her town. Her town, where she came from. Verse number 14, again, the Bible says she's from Thyatira. Now that ought to ring a little bit of a bell because Thyatira is a very interesting place. It's about 300 miles east of Philippi. So you think about that just for a minute. 
She's 300 miles east of Philippi, 300 miles away from her home. That is equivalent today of being in Turkey. So her home was in Turkey. She found herself over in a Roman providence, if you would, there called Philippi. Being an individual from Thyatira, it'll have biblical significance in the book of Revelation. It's the same place in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. In fact, if you have your Bibles, let's look a little bit about Thyatira in, in Revelation chapter 2. It'd be worth reading. Chapter 2, verse number 18, here is where she came from before this was written. Listen to what the scripture says about Thyatira. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, so we know there's a church there. there was a church there at some point after she got saved. Who knows, maybe she was influential in seeing that church plant. We don't know that for sure, but it could be. The Bible goes on to say this. These things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto the flames of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know your works. I know your charity or your love. I know the service that you do. And I know your faith. I also know the patience that you exercise, and I know all your works. And the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because you have suffered that, women, that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat the things sacrificed to idols. Now, this is what I find fascinating about Thyatira. Here you find Lydia, who's from this town, who is a God-seeker that wants to worship God, who's been liberated socially from the aspect that she has her own successful business. But she's missing something down deep in her heart that she can't get satisfaction for in her business. She finds that satisfaction in going to the synagogues and listening to, to hear about the one true God. Remember, Judaizers believed in monotheism, one God. And so we find that she ends up in Philippi on a, on, a, on a Sabbath day, wanting to go to worship, but there is no place to worship. So she follows down by the river where she finds a group of ladies, and she joins in that prayer meeting. When she gets saved, somewhere back home, there's a church that's going to start. That church is going to be... Uh, exposed, if you would, to false doctrine and buy into the spirit of Jezebel, another woman who is completely opposite of Lydia. If this church would have followed Lydia's practice, God would not have had something against them. But because they fell for the ways of the world, because they forsook the Lord, because they took their eyes off Jesus, because they put their eyes on the culture and wanting the culture to be liberated without being spiritually liberated, they found themselves at odds with God. And I don't have time to read the rest of it. You can read the rest of it when you, when you get home. But the fact of the matter is, when you're at war with God, you lose. You cannot go to the church at Thyatira today. It does not exist. And lest that be a warning to us as 21st century Christians, we at Maysville Baptist Church have got to keep the main thing the main thing. We just come off the backs of Vacation Bible School where we saw 20 children give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Two of them were teenagers. 
Uh, bless God, there's going to be churches all across our country today that won't see one junior boy or girl come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. May God have mercy on our soul where we have left the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, the clear expository style preaching of the Word, where we've left that and we've come out here and say, let me make you feel good today, tell you 15 reasons how you can have money in your bank account. May God have mercy on us. For when we turn this facility into a trade market for wares, God will have something against us. Not only do you see here in this passage of Scripture, Lydia worked hard. But number two, let me show you a second thing very quickly. Let me show you how Lydia worshipped God. Lydia worshipped God. Look at what the Bible says again in verse number 14. It actually says that I would underline it because the word worshipped God in verse 14 carries a very important action. So so what do you mean? It it carries three actions that appear any time you worship God. Now, we call this the worship hour, right? So the question we've got to ask ourselves, if we come to worship God, are we doing these three actions? What are they, Pastor? Number one, the first one is the act of reverence. The act of reverence. Whenever you see the word worship there, it will always carry this term of reverence. Reverence is simply a response to seeing God as he really is. When Isaiah saw God for who he really was, he fell to his face and he said, Woe is me. I got a confession to make. I got up this morning, went to my study, had a word of prayer, got a cup of coffee. Can I get a witness right there? (laughs) Went to get dressed and looked in the mirror. And I said, God, why am I pastor at Maysville? God, help me. When I think about who you are, and I think about who I am, you see, God likes to use the weak things of the world to confound the strong. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, what I'm saying to you today is when we come into this house of worship, we have to realize that worship and reverence reflects the activity of the heart and not just the inactivity of the mouth. Reverence is an integral part of worship. But number two, not only do you see reverence, but you also see the term adoration when you see worship. What is adoration? Adoration differs from praise. Uh, They are related to a certain extent, but adoration should be reserved for God alone. We adore God and God alone. When we say in English that, oh, I just adore that person, we say that we are fond of them. But then when we say we adore God, we can't just mean that we're fond of Him. There has to be a deep-seated adoration inside one that develops and comes out of the heart that produces a true heart of worship about three weeks ago I found myself in a church and I was worshiping there with my uh, my family and as I was worshiping the Holy Spirit just got a hold of my heart and I can't explain it but just as an act of adoration and worship to him I just lifted my hands up and just praised God Do I do that for anybody else? 
Do I do that for anything else? No. Bless God, if I'm at a football game or if I'm at a baseball game and Acuna hits a home run, I might say, yes, I might say, yes, yes, yes. But I never say, oh, thank you, Acuna. That is reserved for God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Did you adore God in your worship? Did you reverence God in your worship? Here's a third one that we see here. We see it's also an act of devotion. Anytime you see the word worship, it carries the idea of an act of reverence, an act of adoration, and an act of devotion. Devotion is a sentimental expression of love, loyalty, and faithfulness to God. Notice the devotion of Lydia. Lydia is 300 miles away from her home, and she still goes to prayer meeting. When you're uh, on vacation, now I know we all need a break. Bless God, I know we all need a break. But does the worship of God mean so much to you that even being away from your home church, that you have a deep-seated desire to worship Him in reverence, adoration, and devotion? Every now and then I'll get an email from one of our church members say something like this. Pastor Shane, we were on vacation this week. But I want you to know that we didn't want to miss church. So we sat down as a family Sunday morning. And we tuned in to the 930 hour. Even while we're on vacation, we worshiped God. That's devotion. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, to be a Christian means something. It means that we worship the one true God. And that worship, as Lydia is giving us an example here, here being 300 miles away, it was one of reverence. It was one of adoration. It was one of worship. Can I ask you this question today, dear friend? When you came into this place, did you come to worship God? Dear friend, if you didn't experience reverence, adoration, or devotion within your personal life, may I challenge you to do this. May I challenge you to have a paradigm shift in your spiritual hearts and begin to worship God in true reverence, in true adoration, and in true devotion. Lydia worshipped God. Number three, here's the third one very quickly, as my time has escaped. Lydia welcomed theological preaching. Lydia welcomed theological preaching. Look at what the Bible says again in the latter part of verse number 14 and verse 15. The Bible says there that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And she was baptized in her household. The Bible tells us here in this passage of Scripture very clearly that in regard to Lydia, she attended, or if, she, or if you would, she welcomed Theological preaching. May I just say, that's one of our challenges today. We don't welcome a lot of theological preaching today. As a matter of fact, when you hear terms like complementarianism or intersectionality, sometimes we just want to get and just turn it off. We don't want to hear it. Uh, Why? Because we we want things to be so simple, we want to be spoon-fed. But here's the point. If you're not challenged theologically to come up, then you're not growing. And to be a babe in Jesus Christ and to be 80 and 90 years old and just a babe in Christ is a shame 
that we hadn't grown any more than that. It's okay, it's all right to, to be uh, new and to be a babe in Jesus and say, I'm just ignorant about some things. Okay, that's fine. But what's not okay is to stay ignorant. It's not okay as a Christian. As a born-again child of God, we ought to be striving and we ought to be obtaining. We ought to be growing up in Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is to have some strong theological teaching. So, so let me show you a couple of things here about this text. Lydia welcomed theological preaching, and in doing so, it did two things. Number one, it opened her heart. Look at what the Bible says. Watch this. This is so awesome in verse number 14. The Bible says in the, in the middle of that verse that she worshiped God and she heard us. That's, that's Luke saying she was listening to what Paul was saying, listening to what we were saying. You see the word us, is um, it should be italics. It is an implied word. It's just simply saying that whoever was speaking... She was listening. Well, we know probably it was Paul that was speaking. And so we find here in the text, look at what happened next. Whose heart the Lord opened. What do we find here, dear brothers and sisters? Again, you cannot ignore the sovereignty of God. If you're going to get saved, if you're going to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, it will be through the sovereignty of God. But it will also be from the free will of man. That is the responsibility of man. God is at work and then man has a choice whether or not to, to accept and receive what God has offered him or to reject what the Lord has offered him. Here's what's fascinating. If you have your pens, I would underline the word open. The word open. Why? Because the, op the word open is two Greek words. Not here, but there are two Greek words that make up the word open. There is one that we clearly understand. It means to open a door. If we were to go over here to this door and push it open, there's a Greek word that means to open a door. That's not the word that's used here. There's a second Greek word that's used here. And it means to open a door where a door does not exist. Hey. An illustration would be, if you would, uh, if you are digging a tunnel through a mountain. And in order to dig that tunnel through that mountain, you've got to blast away layer after layer after layer after layer of rock in order to get that hole big enough to get those transfer trucks through. You're going to have to break through the hardness of that rock to get the tunnel through. That is the definition of the word opened here in this passage of scripture it's giving us the idea that Lydia was basing her salvation on religion and that religion that she had as a God-fear because she wasn't a Jew that religion that she had she was holding on tight to that as her assurance to go to heaven and the Bible is communicating here that religion will send you to hell and it takes the gospel of Jesus Christ busting through the layers of hard heart in order for you to receive Christ as your Savior. Hey. Jesus made a way in Lydia's heart. She made, he made a door in Lydia's heart when there was no door in her heart. The Bible says God opened her heart. Now, the word heart there is a fascinating word because when we think about heart in English, we can't help but think about what beats in our chest. The word heart in this context is dealing with the mentality and thought process that she was struggling with in relationship with religion versus relationship. 
The Bible says that as Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord opened her heart and she received, the word says attended, she attended, if you would, what the Lord was saying and what she believed in her heart then made sense in her head. You see, obedience, obedience is what we follow after first. You may not understand everything about God. But listen, you'll never understand God unless you first trust Him by faith. And so there are individuals here and you're growing in your faith saying, I don't understand everything about the Bible. That's okay. But that doesn't mean you need to stop reading it. You need to continue to read the Bible. Let the Lord open your heart. Break down the mental aspects that you struggle with so that God can help you grow up in grace. I'm calling. I'm calling. Number two, here's the second thing. Not only do you see an open heart, but you also see an obedient heart. Look at what the Bible says. After God opened her heart, the Bible says that she attended unto the things which, we, which were spoken of Paul. The word attended there carries the idea of the free will of man. So here we are, again, you can't deny it. J.R., it's all through the scriptures. When you look at the New Testament, you cannot negate, you can't deny it, you can't turn your back. You have to say, there's the sovereignty of God, but then there's also the responsibility of man. Every time, time after time after time, there's a responsibility that man has. Her responsibility was this. She attended to what they said. The word attended means to receive what Paul was preaching. And who was he preaching? He was preaching Jesus. What was the result of that? The result of that is that she was baptized. But not just her. But so was her whole household. Now the Bible doesn't mention if she had a husband, but the Bible says she has a household. A household being intact would mean that she did have a husband even though it's not directly implied in the scripture but what we see here is here's a woman that got saved she trusted Christ as Savior as a result of that her whole family got saved and her whole family got baptized brothers and sisters I've heard I've heard Judy say this this is so Judy this is probably the greatest illustration that I've ever heard on headship in regards to scripture Judy says she teaches when she's teaching ladies she teaches this she says ladies your husband's the head but you as a wife are the neck you can't turn the head without the neck you tried it don't work you gotta have a neck in order to have your head turned and what a beautiful illustration of that of that what you what you teach right here in this passage of scripture the neck turned to Jesus and the head followed and her whole household got saved so listen to me moms listen you got a lost husband out there he hadn't been saved yet you've been worried about him and you just don't know what to you keep being faithful to the Lord you keep obeying the Lord you keep the main thing the main I gotta, I gotta finish. Let me give you number four. Some of you have to have number four because of your analytical minds. That's important to me. Number four. Here's the fourth one. Lydia wielded her gifts. She wielded her gifts. Verse number 15. 
Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says she was baptized, her household. And then the scripture says she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And then notice these next words. She constrained us. Now, there's a lot here in the text. Let me give it to you very quickly in two points. Point number one is I want you to see her request. Did you see her request? The Bible says, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and, and stay there. So here's a woman that was so successful, she had a home in Philippi, and she wanted the, these disciples to come stay with her. Why is this important? Well, because every Christian ought to exercise hospitality. Now, hospitality looks different today than it did back in the New Testament. Hospitality in the New Testament, they had to let Christians stay in other Christians' homes because the hotels there were very dangerous and they were nothing more than brothels. A Christian didn't want to expose themselves to those type of situations and challenges, so they needed Christian individuals that they could trust to come into their homes and spend the night in their homes so they could continue their mission, continue their journey. And so here we find Lydia, her request is come stay at my house. It looks like in the text that Paul, Silas, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke are hesitant. They're hesitant. They're not real sure they want to do that. How do you tell? Look at what the Bible says in the latter part of the verse. We see her demand. Not only did she request that they come, but the Bible says she constrained us. She constrained us. She absolutely begged us to come to the house, and she wanted us to be there with her. This word implies that, that first they were reluctant, but they were overcome, if you would, by her deep love for Jesus Christ and her desire to minister to them through hospitality. And so we find here in this passage of Scripture is a woman demanding, if you would, begging them to come be a part of the ministry that she has set up in the arena of hospitality so that they could be refreshed, that Lydia could grow up in grace, and that could send the disciples out refreshed so they can continue their journey. Here in this text is a picture of a truly liberated woman. Here's the, the, the question I, I want you to consider. Consider what made the difference in her liberation. Because socially she was liberated before she came to Jesus. But she was found empty in that type of liberation. The difference was Jesus. So we can liberate everything from women to the hooted spot out. We could liberate them all. But until we get back to the main thing, we will always have chaos and disorder and disaster in our culture and in every culture that exists today. Because social liberation without spiritual liberation always produces moral degradation. So I want to ask you a question this morning. I know our culture needs Jesus. But the heart of the matter is, do you need Jesus? And the answer to that question is yes. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you need, like Lydia, to be saved, would you trust the same gospel today that Paul preached to her in this first century? It was a simple gospel, as was his custom. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He died on Calvary's cross as your substitute as the sinless Son of God. 
He was buried and on the third day. He rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave so that you could connect to God again and that you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Going to heaven is not built on religion. Going to heaven is built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you ever trusted him as your Savior? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, maybe you've never done that. I want to give you an opportunity today to trust Jesus as your Savior. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so, dear friend, if you want to be saved today, I'm going to ask you to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Would you say something like this to the Lord today? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And this morning I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Today I repent and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.